Welcome to the Stack and Sats podcast presented by Forspace Mining. I am your host, Plumik Ovasic. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Matthias de Bernardini, a software developer based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who currently works on the Fediment project. In this episode, we discuss Matthias's introduction into Bitcoin, self-custody and hardware wallets, centralized exchanges, and much more. As always, this is not financial advice. We hope you enjoy this episode with Matthias de Bernardini. So, you know, I'm very happy to have you here today, Matthias. Uh, you are a special guest, not only because you're my friend, but because you are the first guest. Yeah. This is the first episode. <laughs> happy to be um, here. Really happy to have you here. And I guess, uh, you know, if you wanted to share a little bit to the audience about uh, your background in the yeah. Bitcoin industry. Sure. I mean, uh, my involvement in the Bitcoin industry has you know, for the most part, just been at the pleb level, uh, you know, just using the tools, you know, reading, uh, reading the documentation of software, uh, reading blogs, uh, books, listening to, you know, podcasts, YouTube videos, just trying to learn how it works using Bitcoin, you know, buying it, hodling it, spending it, selling it, um, trying to find merchants that will accept it, bugging merchants that don't accept it to accept it, you know, uh, but you're doing uh, the Lord's work, man. You're doing the hard work. You know, it, it took me a while to finally learn that, uh, you know, just how difficult it really is to run a business. And, um, you know, I would just like bug people. It's like, you know, when the, the credit card, the point of sale system wouldn't work, I was like, Hey, do you guys think Bitcoin? And they're like, would laugh. Cause it's like, ridiculous to suggest to like the cashier that like you know she bring it up to her boss like cashier don't fucking care uh you know she just they're just there doing their job yeah they're happy that square is just working fine that day and yeah they're not having pos issues yeah so um you know that was that was you know my experience uh and then i, I started working at the you know this this mining company uh uh distributed ledger they did some other stuff um and, uh, I was basically, yeah, just helping them bootstrap this, uh, cryptocurrency exchange that they had in Latin America. The twist to it was philanthropic. Um, you know, I was, I started out doing customer support for them and then, uh, just basically worked my way up to director of operations, which was really nice. Got to learn a lot. Um, not, uh, really doing that position anymore right now. I'm really an open source contributor. Uh, just trying to help all the amazing tools that are being built out there and just, you know, keep pushing them forward, uh, you know, using them, giving feedback, uh, writing code, testing code. Um, and uh, right now, um, that's sort of uh, what I'm doing, looking to see if I can find a job, uh, you know, writing software, hopefully Rust software. That's actually one of my goals for 2023 is uh, land a Rust developer position. and. Um, been doing that for uh been writing rust code for uh the fediment project we can talk about that later um but yeah that's uh you know been the extent uh, of my experience so far it's been it's been a wild ride honestly ever since i you know decided to really you know dig my heels into bitcoin it's just been great yeah uh you know mainly because of the people that you get to listen to um the interesting thing about bitcoin is that it draws people that are able to take multiple different fields and sort of like think about them holistically rather than just, you know, have their own little special subject that, you know, be their own little expert, which is, you know, great. 
Um, you know, if some people are, are like that, that's, that's very important. But, you know, the world is really complicated and interconnected. Um, and if you only look at it from like one perspective, you can get the wrong idea of what's actually happening. Um, and it's, you know, really you want to contrast, you know, uh, fields with the fields that are adjacent to them. You know, like energy, for example, is adjacent to macroeconomics and is adjacent to like yeah. geopolitics. Um, and so if you want to understand energy, you also kind of want to understand how macroeconomics works, how, you know, what, what does the geopolitical landscape work? Um, and if, uh, and the reason why, you know, I bring this up is because Bitcoin itself is, uh, multidisciplinary. It's interdisciplinary. Um, meaning that if you want to understand that you need to for sure, first understand how software works, to understand how software works, you need to understand how computers work. And you also want to understand how, you know, security works. Um, and that's just the beginning. And if you just understand that you can get a good idea for like how, literally what Bitcoin is and how it literally works. But you also want to understand, you know, the context that Bitcoin exists in. That's, mm -hmm. you know, this, you know, we find ourselves in 2023, um, you know, we have US dollars, you know, the dollar is the dominant currency in the world. Um, right now, the CPI print, you know, just came out at 6.5%, uh, which is, you know, higher than what they, uh, the people at the Federal Reserve would like it to be. So their idea is that they'll raise interest rates, you know, make everything expensive, get everybody fired <laughs> from their jobs so they don't have as much money to buy things. And then hopefully that will bring down inflation. I guess it's working, um, you know, because it did come down like the previous month. It was like at eight something percent. Mm -hmm. So seems to be working. Hopefully it, you know, works. Having inflation sucks. Um, the But... Uh, you know, Bitcoin exists in this world, you know, and, it, and also it exists, you know, in uh, a world where you have people and people have their own incentives. And those incentives are, you know, usually driven by some sort of self-interest or self-preservation. Um, that's, that's sorry. That's super important there. Uh, what you mentioned uh, with just like the individual. Mm -hmm. um, that's a really important philosophy within Bitcoin. But before that, you had brought up, you know, this need to understand. And we go around to these conferences yeah. and we feel really high on top of the world. And then we talk. <laughs> we were to, when we were there. Yeah, when we're there, you know, <laughs> you and I, and we're going to Miami and we're, we're going to these different places. And then we're just like hitting the face with people who know way more than us. Oh, yeah. And people who, like you're saying, have been taking that time to kind of grasp how everything is interconnected and you mm -hmm. get that so much in the bitcoin mining industry oh, yeah. like from my perspective of working with logistics and procuring you know parts and you know the business that goes now globally with other countries and understanding how that works and knowing when my forwarder is going to give me the best deal you know and all the nuances to that so it's it's important aspect because a lot of the times when people are really passionate about something they feel this need to want to convince people yeah to be like i need to go out there and i need to make sure everyone knows yeah. and when you do that you just get like absolutely like shat on like everyone oh, yeah. will give you every reason why they don't fall into that so what i what i really you know like about having you here and i think to our conversations over the year is that you know you ignore that 
noise. You ignore those people and you focus just on understanding and learning more. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, the thing is that everyone's always trying to get you to join their thing. Um, you know, we're social creatures. And when someone joins like your thing, that's like a form of validation. You know, um, it sort of like validates your beliefs. It's like you're not alone. It's at least one more person. And like getting one more person into the party just sort of like makes you feel better. You know, it's like um, sort of like why being an influencer is so popular. It's like I have, I have all these followers, you know, um, that just want to listen to what I have to say. And that's self-validating. Um, I mean, religion is like this. Uh, you know, people would always try to get more people into their religion because it validated their religious beliefs. Um, uh, or cult, you know, in the or, case or of uh, cryptocurrency. <laughs> thinking or Ponzi's. Of, thinking of uh, the <laughs> yeah. uh, last January when we went to that. Oh, uh, yeah, the NFT strange, party. Like, mystic <laughs> NFT party. The and, Doge NFT, no. Yeah, they made like the Samurai Doge and they had us like in the prayer, <laughs> prayer circle. They had like no alcohol. They were forcing us to engage yeah. in this like the cultish experience. The only you good, get the religious experience for sure. I mean, the only good thing about that party was a pizza. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, that was a big regret going there, but at least the pizza was very good. Yeah, true. Um, like actually good. But um, no, I mean, and and also it's just it makes it like better. Um, you know, like language, for example. You know, the more people you get into the language the more useful it is. Um, that's why learning English, you know, is so valuable to people that don't live in, um, you know, the United States or, you know, those English speaking countries. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you live in South America and you learn English, a whole world of opportunity is now at your fingertips. Um, you know, especially with the internet. Um, so, you know, everyone's always trying to get more people into their thing, but, so are other people. And so everyone's always competing to get other people into their thing. Um, and it's just tiresome, you know, um, it, people, especially now with like um, multi-level marketing schemes and like crypto Ponzi's, you know, it just gets so tiring. It, and, and people really learn about Bitcoin and, um, you know, why it's important to at their own pace. You know, it's not really like... Uh, something you can really force on people, especially here in the sure. United States or in the West, where the financial system does actually work and where people do actually have property rights and rule of law. Um, you know, it's not it's not a, a need or a must have for them. Like other things are a must have. And so they focus on those and they don't have enough time to like really learn about Bitcoin. So it's, mm. you know, for the most part, if you're, you know, like an American or, you know, even living in Europe, um, it's not really worth it to try to like go out of your way to explain Bitcoin to people. Like if people ask, they're curious, you can kind of give them like a little synopsis and, you know, just give them like a bullet list. And then if, you know, they're hungry for a little more, it's all on the internet, you know, so just go and spend your time reading it. You don't have to get it from me. Uh, you can just get it. There's tons of YouTube videos and like amazing books. Um, and, and, you know, podcasts, uh, you know, people on different social medias you can follow. Hopefully you're following the right people and not like scammers. Um, you know, that's, that's often a, something that can go wrong is like, oh, I'm following this guy and he said this. And it's like, well, that guy's wrong <laughs> and is either confused or trying to confuse you. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, like, 
yeah, but for the most part, you know, it's just about um, for myself, just knowing what I'm doing um, and how I'm spending my time and what's important to me. So I don't, you know, if other people have other stuff going on, you know, do that instead. Yeah, um, 100%. And it's, it's taken a little bit of time to get to that point. Um, but I, it, I definitely feel, feel like that is just like, it's a more peaceful it's, kind of resolution to your own life, to your own personal you, goals. You want to like impress yourself, n- not for other people's sake, but for your own sake. You know, if you, if you're sense of self-worth is dependent on other people that's a really bad position to be in because you can't control other people uh you can't control what they think of you but you can control yourself and you know if you're if you're happy with your progress um that's really all that matters uh you know trying to get other people to like care about you and stuff that's just a good recipe for misery um you know because yeah people are People are weird. They have their own self-interest. Um, they have other things, you know, that are important to them, take up their time. And, you know, spending your energy on making them happy um, is is not that good of a way to spend time, you know, unless they're like a, you know, good family friend or a uh, good family or friend, um, you know, like someone really important that you care about. That's a little bit different. But just like, you know, random people on the internet, like, who cares? <laughs> like you don't know anything about them. It could be like the weirdest person ever. Um, or just someone dumb, <laughs> you know. And it's like, why why would you waste your time arguing with them? It's just it's just totally. not worth it. Just you know, focus on yourself um and just try to improve and just, you know, who were you yesterday? Are you doing better, the same, or worse than that? And you know, if you're doing the same, then that's probably okay. Uh, if you're doing worse, you probably want to change something up. Uh, and if you're doing better, then just keep going. Um, and you know, eventually, you know, if you really focus, uh, eventually you'll just end up making so much progress, you know, over like, you know, six months or like a year that you'll just be a totally different, you'll be unrecognizable. It's, it's pretty strange because I've probably only been really thinking about, uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin for not even three years now, like just a little bit background of how I got into this position is for me, it started during the pandemic. Um, and you know, I just saw all these markets crash immediately. And from that, I started kind of just like researching a bit more about finance. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, uh, it was so weird. It was so weird. And, yeah. and it was just like a moment where no one was telling me to, but I felt like this is a good time to kind of buy into things like Tesla and Ethereum and Bitcoin and all these newer technologies. And, you know, for me, it was a little bit of an influence from the people I listened to, people like uh, Gary Vee. I was listening to Lex Friedman and I have like these just like nostalgic memories of uh, when he speaks with Vitalik Buterin Mm -hmm. and they're speaking on some of these concepts of cryptocurrency, self-sovereignty you know, Vitalik is explaining quadratic economics and in his interpretation. Yeah. And that just lit up so many sparks in my brain. And it really began uh, this self journey, a self improvement in a lot of aspects of my life. Uh, but self understanding to see that, you know, even though I, I started off kind of being an accidental Ethereum shill, 
Um, yeah, I, I was, that. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was a bit more um, motivated and just like intrigued by the fact that you got to kind of like, you know, hold your keys. It was, it was about being able to spend digital money for, you know, things that you weren't really able to do all the time and you took for granted. I was working at Whole Foods at the time and eventually like stuff ran out on the shelves. Like we experienced scarcity, mm-hmm. you know, even if I had the money in my account, I couldn't go and buy things. Yeah. And that was a really scary feeling, which, you know, uh, really pushed me into learning more about crypto and Bitcoin and through our conversations, you know, really getting an understanding for why Bitcoin is the standard, you know, essentially the digital gold standard of what cryptocurrency is supposed to represent. Mm -hmm. And you've had a lot longer of kind of like uh, experience into this. And I would just really like to hear more about your um, introduction into Bitcoin and what kind of you know, where, what were the sparks for you that helped you, you know, start pushing forward to understand this yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, my first um, sort of experience with Bitcoin was reading it about it on this uh, website called Slashdot. Um, it was something that uh, I got from one of my, my engineering professors. You know, he would tell us about it. Um, so I, I started to go on there. And it was an article about Bitcoin being used like in the Silk Road or as part of some website. I don't really remember. This must have been like 2013, something like that. That's scandalous. Yeah. It was, Using the Bitcoin on the Silk Road. Yeah, right. It was, it was, I mean, it was Slashdot. So um, they were just, they're, the nice thing about that website is that they're just like a very, as a matter of fact, oriented, you mm-hmm. know, they're, they're, they just like write stuff. Uh, and then if you if you like it, go do that. If not, just go to the next article. Uh, at that time, like things weren't as clickbaity. Um, I, I haven't gone on that website in a while, so I'm not sure what they're like now. But back then, it was like a really good place to like just catch up with like just technology and just nerdy stuff. Um, and I, I was doing my degree in material science and engineering, so uh, you know I was I was working at a, at a lab. Um, so I I would just you know during my break uh, just frequent that site. And, um, then I remember, you know, I, I Googled Bitcoin and I saw this YouTube video, uh, which was a commercial for Bitcoin that somebody had made. And it would basically explain like, what is Bitcoin? You know, it's like this computer software that runs on, uh, you know, uh, this distributed, uh, network of, uh, nodes. And in order to get Bitcoin, you either have to buy it or you have to mine it, you know? And like, sounds like a, like an extension of like a RuneScape game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, RuneScape had, had a currency, uh, you know, they, so this, this, that would have been, you know, a perfect shoe. And I I remember playing RuneScape, but, um, I, the, the video basically ended with like, so, you know, what can you use Bitcoin for? You can use it to buy alpaca socks. (laughs) You know, and so there apparently there's this company in I, I think they're in Maine or Vermont, uh, somewhere somewhere like that, and uh, they have a, they have a web store, and you can buy socks that are made uh, from alpaca wool, and one of the payment methods is in Bitcoin. Uh, they're still up, um, you can still buy them, you know, with Bitcoin, um, 
And <laughs> what do you call that? I, I just thought that that was so interesting. And immediately for me, you know, at that point in time, uh, I thought that, you know, money was just this thing that was just used to represent gold. Like I, I literally thought, you know, the numbers in my online banking was just backed by like a bunch of pallet of cash. And that pallet of cash was backed by a bunch of gold, you know, in, in a bank. Uh, and I thought that's just how it worked because that's what makes sense to me. Well, uh, wait till you hear about this thing called legal tender, Matthias. Yeah, legal tender, <laughs> fractional reserve banking. And, you know, I just saw it like, well, that's how it must work. Like, how could it work any other way? That That would make no sense. Um, you know, just happily living my life, you know, just trying to, you know, get done with school, uh, you know, hang out with my friends, you know, <laughs> and uh, then I learned about Bitcoin. And it's like, uh, you know, one of the, you know, from that Slashdot article, you just kept, you know, just being more and more curious, you know, just kept reading about it. Uh, I found the Bitcoin subreddit, you know, and then from there I would just find articles uh, you know, in blog posts that people would post and just kept learning and learning. Um, and, uh, I remember I really liked the mining, the, the mining aspect just really, it just clicked. Like, uh, I know that a lot of people say that the mining was like the last thing that they understood, mm -hmm. but for me, the last thing I understood was like all the like cryptography and like, uh, all that stuff. for me, the stuff, the thing that clicked right away was like, oh, mining, like, yeah, you have to put in electricity, which costs you money to get and from there you can get the bitcoin so like that chain of value transfers like makes sense uh and like oh yeah you know i i already taken thermodynamics at that point it's like you can't fake energy you know like uh energy has to come from someplace mm -hmm. um and you know uh, electricity has to come from something you can't pretend you have electricity <laughs> um and like the power company if you don't pay them they'll just like shut it off um, and you just run the electricity through these computers are called Bitcoin miners. Like what? <laughs> and, uh, I remember, uh, you know, just getting super interested in, into it and just like thinking, you know, it's like, well, you know, they're not going to let you do this. Um, it's like, it, how, uh, you know, governments, uh, you know, how are you going to get other people to accept it? Um, Governments like to keep like a you know good grip on things. Uh, this would surely like throw a wrench in their operations of you know keeping things in order. Um, so like this is gonna have to go be done you know out in the ocean you know where there's no governments and like little submarines, uh, not little you know submarines that are nuclear powered you know uh, something like that. Which I'm not you know obviously I'm not even sure that would work. Um, the engineer's mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, for me, I was just immediately drawn to the mining aspect because mm -hmm. that's just what I understood. Um, you know, I taken, I taken like a programming class in Java, but like nothing with like understanding how like distributed systems work or computer security or cryptography or uh, anything like that. Um, remember at that point, I really liked Excel and <laughs> like that was my, it's like, oh, if I do programming, it's going to be in an Excel formula. <laughs> like, that's all I need, uh, you know, for, for my labs. Um, but somewhere uh, you offended Grant. Yeah. Side note, our friend Grant loves using Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. And, and Google, Google, uh, Google Sheets. Yeah. Google Sheets. Um, so, um, and then I remember, you know, asking. And so, like, I, I just didn't really think 
much of it just because, yeah, I just didn't really think, um, you know, one, like, how would you get people to use it? You know, like money is useful when you can use it. And if no one's accepting it as payment, then like this not that useful. So why would people buy it in the first place? Um, and also just like the whole, I mean, I was a total statist back then, you know, just, uh, it's like, well, the government won't allow it. Therefore it won't happen. You know? And I just thought, you know, it's like all these rules, like, how are you going to break the rules? What do you mean? <laughs> uh, total statist, so uh, good. statist mentality. Um, and you know, I also remember like, you know, talking to my dad and being like, Hey, have you heard this Bitcoin thing? Like, it's pretty interesting. Like maybe we should get some. And you know, my dad, without even uh, knowing what Bitcoin was, I, he probably like had heard of it or something like that. But he's like, $90 for a Bitcoin? No, no, no. That's too much. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll always remember that because I remember thinking it's like, yeah, I guess maybe it is. I'll just wait for it to go down, you know, and then get some more. Um, and, uh, you know, I never did. And, um, it w- and then I just kind of forgot about it, you know, just like, you know, just focused on finish sco- finishing school and like, you know, getting a job and stuff. And then um, I had a friend that was like trading it and, you know, he had, he was doing like really well with it. And he was just kind of like, you know, educating me about it. And um, I remember it really clicking after the 2016 presidential elections where Donald Trump was getting elected. And at that time, to me, like Donald Trump just seemed like a total clown. You know, I just like I he was just like the, the apprentice guy, like like a troll, or not even or like a troll, just like just beyond like a, that, just just a not serious person. Yeah, sure. Um, like I, you know, everything. I, I thought he was super funny, and you know, but I didn't think of him as like a serious like leadership sort of like. Uh, had no leadership yeah, capabilities. Definitely. Um, and my sense of it at the time was that, you know, like the president, he like picks people to like control things, you know, like the cabinet and like he elects people to like, you know, run the currency, you know, in the treasury department in the, you know, um, in the federal reserve. Uh, but if the guy is like not serious, he's just going to also put not serious people into those positions. Um, and the whole thing at that point just kind of like unraveled for me. It's like, wow, the most unserious person got put in the most serious position possible. You know, and at that time, that was my impression of the, the U.S. presidency. Um, like, that's weird. Um, this whole thing seems like not that serious <laughs> now. And, um, at that time, you know, my, my trader friend was like telling me about it. It's like, you know, this Bitcoin thing, uh, like I really need to like get into it now and like really learn it over. Um, and actually another thing that I had been doing was I was reading Jim Rickard's book, uh, the road to ruin Mm. and, um, wasn't there, I don't know if it was, yeah, it was the road to ruin or the death of money. Uh, I'll have to look back through my Amazon account to see which which book I was reading, uh, which one exactly. It was the Jim Rickards book, um, you know, and his whole thing was that you know the, you know, it was going to be the whole debt. Uh, you know, the U.S. is like loaded with all this debt, and eventually we're going to have to come pay for it. But the money's not going to come 
because it's like you know mathematically and physically impossible to like make that much money, pay off all this debt. Yeah, and uh, people are going to lose faith in the dollar, and they're going to need to go to something to like you know actually hold value. And his thesis was people are going to flock to gold. Um, and like that's still his uh, opinion. Although I think he's kind of changed a little bit since then. Um, because like he used to be like you know he's like a huge gold bull like Peter Schiff, um, but n- did not take Bitcoin seriously or like it just wasn't serious to him. Mm. And um, so reading that book, you know, and understanding just sort of like how debt works, um, you know, how the dollar works, um, and then seeing Donald Trump get elected, and my friend telling me about Bitcoin was just sort of like the perfect storm for me to like really get into. Bitcoin and start learning about it. And remember buying some, you know, it going up, uh, you know, you feel like a genius and you just keep, you know, looking into it more, you know, you download Bitcoin core, you know, you download Electrum, uh, you start sending money around. It's super fun. (laughs) You know, for me, I remember the first amount of Bitcoin I bought was from this exchange that was uh, accountless, meaning that like you would just send them money and when you did, when you send them money, you would also have to send them a Bitcoin address so they could send you the Bitcoin back. And this is unlike, for example, Coinbase or Kraken, where you have to like first make an account and then you send them money, but then they just send, well, they don't send anything. They just sh- sh- credit your virtual account on the exchange with, you know, the whatever you just bought, you know, right. Bitcoin. They'll drop it, it into the wallets that you have through the account. Yeah, it's 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 really nothing. They they just like update a database basically. Yeah. Um it's almost like mobile banking in a sense. Uh it is basically. I mean, they they, they hold your money, you know, digitally. Um but you were you were operating in something that I like honestly I I came I came mm-hmm. uh, across this exchange like on like it just it was like the first exchange that came up. Um and I just thought nothing of it. I it just made sense to me. It's right. like Oh, I'll give you the money and then you give me the Bitcoin. Like that, that makes sense. I, you, I would like that. You tell that to a lot of people and they'd be, they would say that that's like the sketchy version as opposed to like the centralized exchange. Yeah, no, exactly. It's know, like, well, what do I do? You know, where's my accounts? And like, how do I, uh, y- you know, get customer support and stuff? It's like this mm-hmm. other account had customer support. Like, you know, you still have like a transaction ID that they mm-hmm. send you. There's just a little bit more trust you, that's established between the two of you. You know, I'm giving you my money well, you, you're you, giving me the bitcoin but, well you do that anyways with coinbase but it's the thing with like coinbase or kraken is that it is not until you withdraw and so uh, that you get the actual real bitcoin and so there's like the time that they hold your money is actually like much longer mm-hmm. whereas the time that the uh other people have your money is just until they can clear like the the fiat payment and then actually send the bitcoin internally but you know once you know, once that happens, it's basically now your money. And so the the amount of like time that they have, um, you know, your money in their custody is like much shorter when you don't have an account. And it also forces you to um, sort of deal with the Bitcoin side um, much more closely. You know, it's like, oh, I need to I need to give them a Bitcoin address. What is a Bitcoin address? Oh, it's something a wallet makes. What is a wallet? Oh, it's a piece of software. I have to download it. And then the wallet will uh, hopefully, this is the downside of like accountless exchanges is that hopefully you like 
you know, click on the right link to yeah. like download the right wallet. Um, and at that time I, I had a mobile wallet. It was called Air Blitz. I think it was. I think they've since rebranded to Edge Wallet. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was my first wallet. I thought nothing of it. You know, it's like, okay, I, you know, this seems good. Um, uh, it's, it's what I used uh, initially. And they... I got the Bitcoin address. I gave it to them. I sent them money. They sent me, you know, the small amount of coin, uh, you know, that I bought. And I just thought, well, this is awesome. Uh, now I have Bitcoin. Um, and uh, I also remember like, you know, like when it really clicked for me was I, I kind of realized, you know, I'm like, I'm the way I get into this wallet is with a password, basically. And I know that these devices are not very trustworthy. Like, w- how do I know that Apple isn't like looking at my password? You know, like I don't know anything about this iPhone other than that it works and that I kind of own it. Um, how do I know that the other applications or like some other virus on this device isn't going to, you know, up copy my password over to uh, some other device you know and then they can steal my coins basic because like that's how i get to the coins is with this password um i just got really paranoid and just started doing more research and that's sort of where uh at that time you know hardware wallets were already a thing Mm -hmm. uh because people (laughs) had already been getting wrecked over and over again uh you know in in like the mount gox and all this stuff so like there were already companies established like trezor and um you know they had their model their model one uh, wallet. And at that point, like Ledger was like also just starting up. And, uh, I remember buying their first wallet that they had, which was just like a little USB device. Um, look, basically it was just like a, a USB drive and I still have it. Uh, and it's really cool because you just like plug it into your laptop. Uh, this little software, uh, graphical user interface pops up and you, um, you just do the whole thing. Um, and I remember like setting up the wallet and getting, because that, that that little USB stick doesn't have a screen on it. Um, you know, it's just like a very small, like very low cost device. I think it was like 30 bucks, something like that. You know, I, I didn't have that much Bitcoin, so I didn't want to spend that much money. Um, you know, I thought that was reasonable. Um, but I remember setting up the device and then the word, the mnemonic phrase um, showed up on the screen. And I'm like, Get the same anxiety from like the phone. It's like, wait a minute, damn it! How do I know that there isn't like a virus or like that Apple isn't like looking and screen capturing my my laptop screen at every moment? And now they that they don't also have my uh, my mnemonic phrase, my little password. Um, and I thought it was a password at the time. I since learned it's not a password, um, uh, but we'll, we'll call it that for now. Uh, it's like damn it, like, I need to, I need to figure out a way to, like, have this thing not happen on these stupid devices, you know, that I trust so much. Um, And then I went and got the Trezor, which has, has a screen built into it. And it shows you the words on the device, you know? And so, like, to get to those words, like, if my computer was infected, like, they'd have to go through the USB cable somehow, and then get the words and then pull them out somehow. And at, at this point, like, I didn't know, know that much about security, but I knew that much, you know, it's like somehow the information has to go, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tape off the webcam and, 
you know, make sure that nobody can like shut the shut the the, the <laughs> blinds to my room. That way, there's like no no camera anywhere. You're just super paranoid. And I remember, um, you felt like a you almost felt like a you know the main Rami Malik and Mr. Robot. <laughs> Got to take all the steps uh, I, to get there. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't seen that uh, that by then. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I'd seen like a Snowden, you know the sure. that movie. Um, so that was, you know, I kind of had like an idea that like, you know, yeah, these, all these computers, like they're, they could be compromised or not. There's no way to, for me to prove it. Cause I don't, I don't have those skills. So it's better to just like not take the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the hardware device just seemed like so much more practical. Cause like I was going to go and like, um, you know, just get a laptop and never connect it to the internet. And like figure out how to run Linux. And it's like, oh man, that's not like so much work. Um, and I didn't have that much money, you know, to, to like do that. Uh, and it, well, uh, it just didn't really seem like it was worth it. Right. Um, so, so I, I got to Trezor and um, uh, I, I just remember like the first time, like after I, I set up the ledger, doing like my first transaction between my mobile wallet, that AirBlitz wallet and my ledger wallet. And just getting like this, like, you know, this dopamine rush, like, holy crap. I just like teleported a bunch of money from my phone to my laptop. And like back then, I didn't understand really well, like how the blockchain worked um, or, or you know, how Bitcoin worked. You know, I thought like the money was in the device, you know, and it kind of is in some way, but it's not really. And this Mm -hmm. is just sort of more like a semantic mix up. But um, I, I just like just thought that was so cool and i just got it was like a rush you know it's yeah. like i'm totally in control uh usually i have to do this whole song and dance with paypal and like use this very complicated website and like this was so easy i just like click make new address pointed my camera on the phone to my laptop hit send and it just like popped up in you know in like 10 minutes um it popped up instantly but then it was like unconfirmed and i didn't know what that was um you know and, and you just do you know little by little you know you uh you keep learning more and more thankfully at that time the uh andreas antonopoulos already had like a pretty good youtube channel um and he would explain lots of things and he's like I think still one of the best Bitcoin educators out there. Like his stuff has aged really well. Um, I mean, a lot of the things he teaches are just timeless, you know, um, with respect to Bitcoin and computer security. So he, he, like, I'm, I'm just really happy that like he was the person I found and not like BitBoy, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, fucking idiots that uh, just, scam people and love to confuse you so that they can, you know, get you into their thing. Um, so, you know, just looking back, like I somehow just like managed to dodge every bullet and like, just stay away and like find the right link, you know, and just stay away from like the noise. Um, and just like find the signal somehow. I don't know how I did this. Cause like I talked to other people and they're like, yeah, I, I, you know, I got involved and, you know, I downloaded like the wrong wallet and I clicked on this link and then all my money was gone or I, I bought mm-hmm. this, this other crypto thing and now I, I got rugged and now I don't have anything or I, de- I deposited all my savings into this exchange and the exchange blew up and now I don't have anything. It's like, man, how, how did I manage to avoid all this? Like, holy crap. <laughs> um, and no, that's, uh, that's a great, 
um, great upbringing into it, but also a lot of sketchiness. And ultimately, this is what turns people off of Bitcoin is oh, that you, it's all on you. Well, it's all on you. But I mean, you know, if we're looking at something like a microscope, you know, and we're in the closest view and we keep stepping out and out and out, you're using Bitcoin at this like, stone age period while at the same time we're looking at about 40 50 years of innovation to just get to the point of where we have bitcoin you know milton yeah. friedman talked about digital currencies in the 80s mm-hmm. a lot of the cryptography of finance comes from the 60s and 70s you know this is all stuff that was in building 80s. in 80s and this is all stuff that's building up to this point also the 90s too where you can finally use like bitcoin the way you did and it's still was like a disgruntling experience, but that is a really important experience for people who use Bitcoin because you have to get burned. You have to send transactions and lose that money. Yeah, We all go through it. Yeah, And I think this is ultimately what makes people really uneasy and skeptical about it is that most people don't want to spend their lives having to be extremely paranoid that they're not going to get scammed. And you know, I think this is a great point to start talking a little bit about exchanges and what is a big issue happening today as we're getting closer to the scalability and it's like, here's eToro, here's Gemini, here's Coinbase. Look, you can buy your own cryptos, you can invest, you can become your yeah. own day trader. Well, how is that working out for us? You know? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, um, I mean, trading is, I mean, trading a scene is like a really bad thing. Thing. You know, usually if you tell someone you're a day trader, like they'll like lose respect for you, you know, because like, what do you do? You do nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but trading is really important. Um, you know, it adds liquidity to to whatever markets uh, and liquidity and, and it helps with like price discovery, you know, to like actually figure out what is the real cost of something. Um, so that that is it is important. It's just that, yeah, people like make it their whole identity and um especially with crypto and Bitcoin, like a lot of people suffer from survivorship bias where, mm-hmm. you know, they're making all this money and they think it's because of like a really good trade that they made and they made the good trade because they're so smart. It's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, you're just holding this really volatile asset that is being financialized because interest rates are like historically low and you just happen to have held it. You know, it's, you didn't come up with the right triangles on the chart and, you know, crunch some numbers and figure out the risk like you're just yoloing all this yeah, stuff I mean, and yeah, like really you, all, all the traders <laughs> just are just yoloing your monkey brain buys <laughs> low and it sells high and you get lucky it's like you know you, you think you're so smart you know with with all these triangles and they, i'm sure they'll like help you you know the people that are really good at it you know i'm sure they are doing like proper risk management and all this stuff but like for the most part, everybody just like YOLOs uh, and they eventually just get wrecked. Yeah. Um, and that's not what Bitcoin is about. Like you can no. make that about Bitcoin, but I feel like these exchanges selling this idea that, oh, if you join in, you're also going to become financially rewarded I, well, I mean, is the, a really risky kind of statement it's, to it's, be telling people. Ultimately, people like you and I are thinking about Bitcoin in 40 years. You know, yeah. I always say that this isn't inevitable. It's not a probable. And when we look back to these moments, we're not going to be talking about how sketchy all the opportunities were. We're going to be talking about it, how stable and amazing this technology was. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of exchanges are, um, the reason why it's so sketchy is because um, there, there's no rules for this stuff. 
And these exchanges are made by entrepreneurs that, for the most part, in my opinion, like I do believe that they had some level of good intention at sure. some point when they started. Um, at, you know, at, at least that's what I like to think. Um, definitely not all of them, you know, and, and, uh, you know, some people do think that they're doing good, but in, in reality, they're, they're just doing bad. But, you know, these people are, are starting these businesses where there are no rules. And the, the thing is that, like, you can't wait around for the rules to exist and then do your thing. If, if you have an idea, you know, not the entrepreneurial mindset, and you think you can make some money in some way, you know, if you wait around for rules, then it's just not going to happen. You have to just go do your thing and then just beg for forgiveness later, you know? It's like, well, there's no law that says I can't do that, you know? So, and, and like with this stuff being, it being so new, there was no existing rule that like could apply. And so you have people just, you know, um, just figuring things out, um, doing it, you know, and as cost effectively and as quickly as they can. And yeah, shit blows up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's gotten much better. Um, but, you know, a lot of these, uh, exchanges that have been blowing up. It, it's just really careless people um, that, you know, probably thought that they were doing good. Um, although I, obviously, you know, at the, at the, at the Mt. Gox levels and at the FTX levels, like they, they see the, the dollar signs and then their like brain just like goes into like, uh, it's better if I have that money, you know, it's better if I have more right. money and then That's I can spend it on good things. You know, the like, new tropics probably weren't helping with, uh, <laughs> you know, their regular day to day SBF. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, you know, he, he had the whole effect of altruism thing, you know, mm-hmm. just so funny. Um, you know, it's like, it'd be better if I had that money. Cause then <laughs> I can use it to do good things. Like sponsor the Miami heat arena <laughs> and take billions from people. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you ultimately can't have, uh, certain people holding millions of well, it's, it's just there's no check, there's no checks and balances. Um, you know, like when you whenever you have a custodian involved, um, you need to have some sort of checks and balance or, or some way to keep them accountable. Um, and usually, you as like an individual, you it's really hard to keep other people accountable. Um, you know, you can you usually just have to have like a a government organization or or like thugs or something, you know, that can go after the guy and like break his legs or something. Uh, but you as an individual, you know, you either have to trust them or, and if they, and if they wrong you, then you just have to like, you know, you just take it. Um, which is why self-custody is so important because it's just better to like not be in that position in the first place Mm -hmm. and just focus on yourself and do whatever you can to, eliminate all those risks and first be aware of the risks and then do what you can to, to either manage, uh, eliminate them hopefully, or just manage them to the, to the best possible level. Usually you can't get rid of all risk, but you can take, you know, lots of steps to make sure that, um, the, the risk is very unlikely. And if it does happen, it's not that bad. Um, and you ideally like put yourself in a position where like, if stuff does go wrong, you have some kind of fail safe you know, some sort of escape hatch, um, where, you know, yeah, if the bad thing doesn't, uh, if the bad thing happens, it's not totally catastrophic and there's like no way to recover. Um, and and that's what happens with custodians, you know, like you get catastrophic failures and there's nothing you can do to recover that. Like, you know, if, for example, like best case scenario, the custodian loses the keys, you know, just, just, uh, you know, dumb blind luck, 
They didn't have proper backups, um, you know, totally like honest mistakes, still, you know, pretty reckless to be a custodian and, you know, lose keys like that. That should absolutely not happen. But um, I, I could see that happening. Um, I, uh, you, um, if, if something like that happens, um, you know, you, you want to, um, you, you just don't want to be in that position. Um, and, and that's just best case scenario. Like, you know, what really happens is they just want to have your money and they just run away with it. Right. Um, or they like lend it out to multiple people and then all of those people at the same time, like demand the money back. And it's like, well, I don't have that much money. Yeah. And now I, I don't have any and now I can't pay you back, which is what happened in FTX basically. Sure. It's like our modern bank run. Um, I feel like there's, you know, there's some pretty practical ways to still use these centralized exchanges well, like absolutely. personally i'm not gonna say i don't have a coinbase account you know like i don't like there's yeah i mean you you go i have other accounts to it i have other accounts but, but i'm just saying like in general like you know you can go as skeptical as you want with it um but i think there is a good practical way where you can you, be smart with your money so matthias <laughs> yeah i mean well you can't get away from the centralized exchanges anyways right like, so they're like, you know, the, like a, a big, a big promise, you know, supposed promise of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies that everything's going to be decentralized, but, uh, you can't do that, you know, and at a certain mm-hmm. point you do need to centralize exchanges. Um, that's just kind of what I've learned, but you really want to do your best to avoid them as much as possible. No, totally. And, you know. It doesn't mean that you're always going to be able to avoid them, but it definitely means you should understand that keeping your money on Coinbase is not a good move. No. Having MetaMask to move crypto, sure, you know, have that as like one little thing, but to keep your money on these wallets that, you know, have a very high chances that one, the money isn't actually there or two, you're going to have a security breach. Yeah. These are just some of like the simpler ways to go about it. You know, like you can go as far as having like a hardware wallet, like, you know, you mentioned Ledger, Trezor, uh, there's a cold card, you know, and then there's also like uh, wallets on your phone where you can mm-hmm. use for like lightning, like moon or wallet of Satoshi, you or know, Phoenix. or Phoenix. There's, there's a lot of ways to so, kind of get the keys in your hands yeah. and kind of have a little bit more control. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's software that we're really talking about. And software is extremely flexible. Um, it's really just, you're mainly just limited by, you know, how, how good you are at shipping software and um, what actually makes sense. But for the most part, like there's a whole spectrum of, possibilities when it comes to dealing with with bitcoin Mm -hmm. and someone has made a solution to fill every little you know ecological niche uh you know ranging all the way from um you know uh really secure uh you know devices that are purpose-built just for this uh you know embedded devices such as like the the hardware wallets or you know even you could say uh a, a, a laptop with like tails you know, which is a, a security-focused, uh, privacy-focused operating system, or, you know, just like, you, you know, you could even, if you have the skill of make your own operating system that you've, like, compiled yourself all the way from, you know, from zero, um, and, you know, you're just running it on, like, a ThinkPad w- where, 
you know, it's like from the year 2010, so it doesn't even have the micro, uh, the micro kernel, the micro engine, the Intel micro management engine built into it. And, um, you know, you've like desoldered the, the, all the radios from the laptop and, you know, uh, it's never been connected to the internet. And, you know, you, you, that, that level of paranoia, uh, you know, you put in your own entropy, you know, like that level of paranoia all the way to having like Coinbase. And in between is like, you're using your mobile device or you have a hot wallet on your laptop mm-hmm. or a, some combination. Cause I mean, you can combine all these things too. Um, and it's really, really flexible and it's really just comes down to figuring out what works for you. What, first of all, what is your situation and what makes the most amount of sense for you? Like what, what are your actual goals? And then how can you best use all this technology to meet those goals? And First of all, people need to have goals. Sometimes they can't even formulate those. So that, that's kind of hard, um, you know, to figure out what you need to do if you don't even have an end goal. Um, you know, what what is it that you want? Especially <laughs> in terms of finance. Especially like, in terms of finance, yeah. People who yeah. don't have any retirement plan or think about it or savings. Or, yeah, you know, it's like, do you want to buy a house? Do you want to do you want to have a family or, uh, you know, you do what you need money right now? Um, you know, it. it you need to figure out what your situation is. And then once you do that, okay, you, you know, you can do that, but then how can you use this technology to meet those goals mm-hmm. and what, what makes the most sense and what's going to cost the least amount of money and, you know, cost you the least amount of time. Um, that can be pretty difficult. Um, you know, especially if you're not sort of technology oriented. Um, thankfully though, I mean, for the people that are listening, if you, if you are in that situation, what, what I would recommend is in person, go to your local Bitcoin meetup and just ask questions. Um, you know, get a sense for what, what the person is like in, in person. Um, you know, don't go trusting, even don't go even trusting like YouTube videos. Um, and just like explain to them your situation. Pretty much always you'll have a, a, a local Bitcoiner that, that'll be very happy to help you and explain, you know, the wide range of possible possibilities Yeah, and uh, give you, you know, a, 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 a defined, a finite set of, you know, what you could do. And then you just got to pick one of those. Um, and, you know, if they're, you know, if they're, really good uh you know if they're really very aware of the space then they'll give you lots of options ranging from like very expensive to very cheap and very complicated to very easy mm-hmm. uh, and convenient um so it's, it's really just finding out you know what are your goals and what what kind of risk are you okay with you know is this five percent of your net worth is it a hundred percent of your net worth if it's a hundred percent of your net worth you don't want to put that in coinbase uh coinbase loves to tell people that they can't withdraw uh they do this all the time you know it's like oh we have a problem with like your kyc information or like hey you need to re-verify or um you know the service is down or something or any kind of thing they always come up with excuses and you got to deal with their customer support um you know if it's your whole net worth is with them that's a terrible position to be in um so, and this is, you know, what risk management comes into play. It's like, don't put all your coins in Coinbase. Right. Put in like 5%, 1%, in my opinion, 0%. <laughs> you know, there's, there's tons of other exchanges now, thankfully. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're very high quality. Um, you know, they're fast. They have good fees. They have lots of features. Uh, they actually like Bitcoin, <laughs> you know, like Coinbase. Um, 
But, you know, it's it's really just figuring out. And this is sort of where people like are like, no, I, I don't have that time. I don't, I don't have that energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this seems way too complicated. I can't, I, I've, you know, I have like other stuff to do. Um, and so they get kind of turned off, but like they still, they see the gains, you know, other people making tons of money. And it's like, well, I need to do that too. So they'll make compromises. And this is where like the FTXs and the Coinbase, you know, horror stories, uh, Mt. Gox horror stories mm-hmm. come into play. Celsius, all that good stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, I just have to like click a few buttons and send them money and I can like retire next year. Like that sounds awesome. You know, um, you know, everybody gets told that and then they go, you know, I can make 6%, like 10% interest. Like I'm getting zero right now with the bank. And it's, and it's like, yeah, but where's the interest coming from? <laughs> it's like, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, Money doesn't grow on trees. What, it comes from someplace always. Uh, and this is sort of like, you know, why why Bitcoin mining is so important is because it's very obvious, you know, where the Bitcoin are coming from. They're coming from an ASIC and you need to put electricity into the base ASIC. Um and if if you don't do that, then the money doesn't come out of the of the box. Right. <laughs> like know? I think a good uh, analogy for you know storing uh, money, you know whether or storing crypto, whether it's like on a you know a hot wallet. Hot wallet is probably going to be more towards like your centralized bank. You know you're going to your local bank. You're keeping mm-hmm. your money there. You like that because of the simplicity of it. You like it because it's safe. It's stable. You know, and then. When you're looking at something like cold storage, we're going a little bit uh, dirtier, you know, a little bit more gangster. We're shoving cash in our couches. Whoa. But the thing, well, in some sense, you are. The thing is, is like in the U.S. In the U.S., that's that's yeah, seen well, as criminal. <laughs> it's seen as criminal, and what can potentially happen when you do that is, you know, you can have a house fire. You can yeah. still lose your own assets by putting them in the couch. I personally like. Uh, the Harry Potter Horcrux strategy, which what, is, what is that? it's just like, so Voldemort, you know, he can't be killed unless you like break all these Horcruxes, these little pieces of uh-huh. him where he put his soul into. Uh-huh. And I almost see like the best way to store uh, Bitcoin and your crypto is in little Horcrux strategies. So you have bits and you have them in different places and you have different strategies for where you're putting what. Oh, you so, know, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can you can go as far as like, Creating like a good night, you know, bedtime story uh, where you're encrypting your keys into the story. Um, there's a lot of ways to go with it. And ultimately, it's how safe do you want your money to be? Like this will be centralized. You will be able to get it off Coinbase. But like we've been saying, you know, here, hey, here is here is some of those potential issues. Yeah. And uh, just like two things very quickly. Uh, first, I thought you were going to go into like multi-sig. But what you were just describing was just split up, like maybe you have like 5% or 1% in Coinbase. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a little uh, 10% in your uh, Electrum wallet or your Bitcoin Core wallet or some other self-custodial wallet. Maybe you have some other in um, in a really, you know, the rest in like a super secret. And I'm, these are just like hypothetical numbers right. that you just got to figure out. It's, it's about risk management, mm-hmm. right? It's like you got to manage the risk uh, that's appropriate to your situation. And that's, um, that is appropriate to the amount of Bitcoin, you know, that you're storing relative to like how much of it that you own. Um, and, and how much of it are you flowing with? How much of it are you using for, yeah, you know, like, for you, practicality? Yeah. It's like, do you, do you, are you paying bills with this stuff? Are you, do you, 
you have like a liability that needs to be met very, very soon, then you probably don't want to keep it in like a super secret secure bunker in Antarctica, you know, because it's going to take you a while to get there. Right. And uh, but for like your, you know, your 20 year, you know, the 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 amount of Bitcoin you want to store and, you know, uh, be able to access in 20 years. Yeah, maybe the Antarctica solution, if you can pull that off, um, you know, which would be super cool. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I, when I say Antarctica, it's like, you know, just a very difficult place to get to, very inconvenient. Right. You know, could be, you know, maybe uh, you have some property in uh, in the country or, you know, you're uh, somewhere else. There's and, and everything in between. You right, know, you, you have you, property. Or a private, a private it, vault. Right. Um, Maybe a very inconvenient part of your house, you know, that you want to store it in, uh, that in order to get to, you have to like destroy that part of the house, you know, so it's like a one-time use. Right. You, you um, can physically hide your seed phrases. You can, you can get you can, very creative, yeah. but the important thing to do, and this is sort of why it gets complicated, is you also want to manage the complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is actually a thing that will, and the complexity will, is more dangerous than the actual security risk. And is actually a big reason why people end up losing their coins. Um, so that needs to be said. And, you know, people, you, you want to make it hard, but you also want to make it simple. Right. And this is where people kind of give up. It's like, uh, fuck it. <laughs> you know, it's like way too much work. I don't want to think. Don't make me think, you know. Um, and uh, it, this, is, this is really what needs to be balanced. Um, there's lots of solutions. What, what you really should do is uh, look at what other people are doing and then try to take little bits of what you like and combine them in a way that you're comfortable with and then dry run it and, and test it. Um, you know, make sure you can, you can still access it. Use the standards. Like I, I will say it again, use the standards. The standards are good. They work for a reason. Uh, they've been scrutinized uh, by many, many people. They've been used to very effectively secure a lot of money by a lot of people and so they work. Um, I'll just name off the standards that the the important ones, and that's BIP thirty nine. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's others, uh, you know, that that are involved as well. But really, what you, we want to do is you want to download a self custodial wallet, and you want to make sure that's BIP thirty nine compliant. Now, if it doesn't have that, doesn't mean it's a bad wallet. Not necessarily, but probably, yeah, actually. <laughs> so pro- what is BIP39 some sort of like a security protocol or Yeah, it's 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 a standard. Um BIP stands for Bitcoin Improvement Proposal. Uh typically this is sort of how like um these kinds of technologies get enhanced um is somebody will just propose a way because it's because it's there's no really like central sort of like command um command center, you know, that like makes choices on behalf of other people. What in the case of Bitcoin, this the same is true for like the internet. Um, although in the internet you have like RFCs, um, sure, you, you, uh, requests for change, um, and people can choose to adopt it or not, uh, for better or worse. Uh, but with Bitcoin, it, there's this thing called Bitcoin Improvement Proposals (BIPs). Um, you can find them online. There's a long list of them. Somebody just manages. It's basically just like a list of them, and anybody can make them. Um, for whatever reason, it doesn't even have to be like a software thing. It can just be like, we should use this word to describe this situation. You know, it can be even as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, and BIP 39 is the 39th BIP. Uh, it was made by the, by the Trezor guys. And the whole point was to how can we get these crypto passwords, um, 
they're they're not passwords. You know, we call them that because that's what we're used to calling them. They're they're public and private key pairs um, that that you need to store. And how do we back these up to pen and paper and in a way that like people can think about them in in an easy manner? You know, like we're dealing with like ones and zeros, which are super annoying. And like for humans, it's not natural at all. For computers, it's great. Uh, but for, for humans, it's it it's not. And BIP39 is basically the standard that it's used to convert uh, a seed. Um, so a, a ones and zeros to a bunch of words. And uh, the standard just basically says how you like take each little chunk of the ones and zeros and convert them to a word. And then the word is like an English word. Uh, they're carefully elect, uh, chosen so that they're very easy uh, to like pronounce and also very short. And um, the whole point of that is so that like you can make a mnemonic phrase with it and you can more easily memorize it. And then you can convert the seed back to the ones and zeros uh, very, very easily. And so it's just something that like the human will deal with. Uh, an- another point of them was so that you could like say it over the phone uh, in case you wanted to transfer the mnemonic seed to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so the reason why they had this, cause the guy, the, the Trezor, uh, guys had this hardware wallet and they wanted people to be able to store the, the backup of the seed to pen and paper. And that was in case that the device would stop working. Um, you know, you would need, a, you didn't want to rely on this electronic device, um, to store that information because, you know, while it is, you know, carefully designed and you know, well-manufactured, uh, you know, by well-meaning people that, that are very experienced. Um, it's still an electronic device yeah. and it's still prompt to an, an EMP bomb or any sort of thing. That or can, just like manufacturing or defect. Or literally a drop of water. <laughs> yeah. A drop of water or, it, I mean, these things can just stop working for any reason. Mm-hmm. And so you just don't want to trust that. And so pen and paper, super simple. Um, and then in BIP39, basically it's just like, yeah, the, the standard to go back and forth. So if you don't have that, <laughs> you have some other standard and it could be that the standard that this other wall developer, if, if, if it, it could be that it's not a standard, it's just some, um, harebrained scheme that, you know, this developer invented on their own and like, maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. Um, most people are completely unfit to make this distinction. And so they just shouldn't even try, in, in my opinion. This is why you should just stick to the standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, standards are good. So you want to find something that's self-custodial, ideally a, a very popular wallet. Um, I personally can recommend Sparrow Wallet, um, though the Bitcoin Core wallet is, you know, also works. I don't think it's that great personally. Um, it's more if, if you're like a developer, then, then it's a good wallet. But if you're just like a normie pleb, um, uh, you know, there, there there's other better wallets, but then, um, yeah, make sure that it's compliant, meaning, and the reason why you want to do that is because you might like generate the seed on with that wallet, but then if the software like stops working, for example, like everybody updates to like windows 12 or like Mac OS, you know, 20 or some version of like Ubuntu 30, you know, in the future, Maybe that software developer like isn't around anymore and hasn't, you know, made sure that the software works on these newer operating systems. Um, if it's BIP, but if it's BIP39 compliant, you'll very likely be able to find another piece of software 
that can read those words and convert them back to the seed uh, and generate all the private keys and public keys that you need to just spend your Bitcoin and you can get your money back. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to trust. And it's sort of like this ubiquitous standard where you can uh, use the seed not just in one wallet, but in many wallets. In fact, any wallet that supports BIP39 will be able to import that seed and then give you access to your funds so that you can spend them uh, in the future. Because, uh, you know, holding Bitcoin, you know, it's not enough to just like, you know, know that you own it. You also have to have the ability to spend it. That actually is what ownership means. Uh, the ability to give it to somebody new. So BIP39, uh, self-custodial wallet, uh, ideally popular. Make sure you get the right link. Um, I, I do want to say Google is your friend, but that actually is not true. Uh, you, you know, you just want to be careful. There, there's unfortunately no really good way to really check that you're getting the the right piece of software unless you um, just cross-reference links and ideally digital signatures. So that that's another ball of wax. Um, um, you know, but yeah, you like want to ask, you know, someone on like Twitter and in real life and on Reddit and just like double check all the URLs and make sure that they're telling you, okay, it's trezor.io and T-R-E-Z-O-R.io. And then the Twitter person is also telling you trezor.io. And then right. the real life person is also telling you .io. And, and you look at your URL address bar and you like read every character and it's T-R-E-Z-O-R, you know, not like a zero. You know, not like a one or anything like that. Um, not Trezor dot, you know, Russian website dot com. <laughs> <laughs> not, not anything like that. Um, really just Trezor.io. And then, you know, you just follow the website and, and just go through it. It's, it's fairly nerve wracking the first time you do it. Um, it's not that much fun. Uh, you know, you're just so anxious. You don't want to make a mistake. You don't really know what you're doing, but you know, you want to own Bitcoin. So you just like, you know, you deal with it. Uh, but eventually it just gets better. You realize you you did it right. Um, and, uh, you know, you were careful and the anxiety just goes away, you know? Right. And um, a lot of these, you know, applications that you're using nowadays are becoming more aware of that, making the user experience better. Um, you should always double check, you know, the first, you know, four, five, six, you know, keys and the last in your wallet ID, you know, before you send anything. Uh, there's things like that. And, you know, you always want to double check. Part of it is, yeah, that you, <laughs> in this world, you have to double, triple, quadruple check your work. I mean, no one is going to do it for you. Yeah. You have to do it yourself. And that's kind of like been such a big focus of our conversation today is yeah. so much of this time has to be spent. You want to do this. You want to get into yeah. it. I'm sorry that there's all these thousands of steps, but we're all doing it together. Um, validation verification is such a big um, aspect of like every, you know, kind of area of Bitcoin. Like in our community, you know, the Bitcoin mining industry, we're dealing with vendors from different countries. We work in this world where global e-commerce is very much at the forefront Unless I am physically meeting these people at the conference, I don't know if they actually exist. Yeah. So the the hard thing, but also the important thing is, is you want to work with a company of people who make sure that they're aware of this. Um, I spend a lot of my time triple checking between LinkedIn, Telegram, 
you know, WhatsApp, every form of communication. I have people who I can physically ask. Yeah. I want you to go visit this vendor. You know, I want you to go visit the source. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's ways around it. And this is, this is a navigation of so many aspects of business. You wouldn't believe it's beyond Bitcoin. I think these problems exist almost in every industry and in every aspect. And uh, with Bitcoin just being the most accelerated, futuristic version of, you know, uh, owning your money, using money, you know, and a lot of aspects, we're just going to see just a more extreme case of how much you have to double, triple check. Yeah. And I mean, really, this just stems from um, this, the, you know, what, what we just described is referred to as establishing provenance, you know, making sure that you are where you think you are. Um, you know, it's like when you wake up from, you know, like a coma, it's like, where am I? You know, I don't remember getting here. Um, and then you sort of have to like ask people, you know, like what day is it? What hospital am I in? You are basically like waking up out of a coma every time you visit like a new website. And it's up to you to make, figure out, am I in the right website that I think I am? You know, it's like, well, I, I remember, you know, I was in, you know, New York. Uh, am I still in New York? Uh, you know, and every time you visit a new website, you know, you you want to make sure you're going where you think you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why pretty much every, like, every email client now, every check, pretty much every website now double checks, uh, has you double check the URL that you're going to because you you want to be navigating where you think where you think you're going to go. You want to end up where you think you're going to go. Um, and unfortunately, doing this for uh, for the internet is basically, it, it's just really, really hard unless you trust somebody to tell you, always be giving you the answers. Mm-hmm. And the way this works in with, with uh, web browsers is you have certificates of authority. Uh, you have like a root certificate where like all these names and um, sort of like addresses uh, are are tied in and that comes preloaded into the operating system and the browser just like sort of does that for you and like this is something like Apple and Google and Microsoft um, and like Canonical you know which ships Ubuntu um, they're the ones that like double check this for you just because like doing it yourself like what are you going to go when you visit Facebook are you going to go to Facebook first knock on their door ask like their engineers is like yeah what's your IP address you know and then like before your browser like goes and fetches the website, like double check that like the IP address actually matches up. It's like it, first of all, like it, that's not really how it would even work, but like, you know, hypothetically, um, it's like, you're not going to do that. Like that's like, you don't have the time either. You don't don't have the time. And it's like, you visit so many websites, you know? So like you basically have to trust like these certificates, the CAs, um, to like, you know, be honest. Uh, Unfortunately, it's a huge gaping security hole. Uh, there's even cases of like the the um, these CAs getting hacked themselves uh, and giving out really faulty <laughs> certificates out, and people would just randomly go, you know, to a website, but um, because the certificate was messed up, they're actually going to like a, a you know a Russian server instead of like their their e-commerce site. It happens way more often than you think. You know, you well, it happens when you hear about it, right. and then. Sometimes you don't even hear about it. Exactly. <laughs> so, but establishing provenance, you know, that that's mm-hmm. like very important. Um, you know, for for something like you know, like your e-commerce store, it's like you know, the worst that happens is you just like don't get your package delivered of you know the shoes you bought, 
because the money you sent, you actually sent it to, you know, some North Korean hackers. Um, but in the case of Bitcoin, it's, you could just lose everything, you know, right. all, your, all your entire coin stash. So it's, it's even more extreme, like the stakes are even higher. And so it pushes sort of what's actually required. What, what are the security requirements and what can actually people do to the most extreme level? Whereas before, like this was just something that was pushed onto the operating, the companies that made the operating systems. And like, this is why your browser will just do all of this automatically for you. And is it secure? Um, I mean, it works, you know, uh, and that's really what people care about. Like you see the little lock on your screen, uh, on your address bar telling you that you are actually a Facebook, but it's like, are you a Facebook? Well, I, I hope Apple put in the right certificate. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people are going here. I, I guess I would hear about it if it was a problem. Uh, but it like, it's, it's not like airtight, you know, like there's a lot of people that spend a lot of time and a lot of money making sure that this gets done correctly. Uh, but it's not, you know, it's not 100%, uh, guaranteed to work. It, it only works because people put in a ton of time and effort into making sure it does work. Um, I, I quickly want to dive into, uh, a potential solution for something that we're talking about here, you know, how can we identify who it is we're speaking to, um, and just being a little bit mindful of our time here. Oh, no, I was going to um, say that that's just like an impossible <laughs> problem. Uh, uh, there's, there's really no good solution for, for like this, you know, uh, visiting the right website. Like the people in the nineties, like, um, you know, came up with this concept of like a web of trust where like they would literally have like parties where like people would go and they bring them in the little book. And they would write down like other people's like uh, public key, which is, you know, in, the, in uh, basically the identifier and their name and like, you know, look at like their driver's license or their passport, you know, and it's like, okay, okay, I'll just, you know, John and his, you know, his, his ideas, da, 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 da. And like, they would do this with everyone. And like, that's where like, it would form like a little web of trust because everybody was doing this with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, oh, oh, I trust you. Let me see your book. Uh, I was, oh, you have John in here. I have John in my book. Is this the same ID that he gave me? Yeah, it's the same ID. Okay, great. Um, and you would just do that with everyone. Uh, but obviously this is like the nerdiest thing ever. Uh, you know, having a get to, you know, they, they would have this at like conferences and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it works, but it's just so much time and like, so time, it's just like not, it was not ever really like mm-hmm. a possibility. So, um, for the time being, uh, just use bookmarks and just make sure that your the address make sure you keep your software updated and um uh you can even you know make sure you're you're running a, a better dns than the, the the one that your isp the default dns isp that you're using um you know keep your os updated and just always be double checking urls yeah. um just be real careful where you're visiting if you see a random one don't click in my, I, I just got a, uh, um, I just got a text and it was a, Hey, I just found an old photo of you. Ha ha ha. Uh, emoji. Um, and then it's like photo dot S some random like identifier. And obviously he got hacked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the hacker sent that text and they're trying to get me to click on that link and, pretty sure there's probably some malware that could, would get downloaded to my sure. device uh, where I to press that link. So it's like, yeah, I, I messaged him back. It's like, I think you got hacked. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I think for uh, businesses that would, you know, be pretty practical and give 
both parties a little bit more uh, due diligence to what's going on is uh, actually the case for NFTs. I think NFTs are a good way where you can individually, you know, stamp an invoice or something and have a little bit more of like a, a digital identity tied, you know, that's going to si- signal that this is, you know, a transaction that was only done by, you know, like, for example, like for space mining or something. But you downloaded the NFT from a website. And so you're just mm-hmm. back to the original problem. No, totally. I mean, part of it is you just have to, you just have to have a little bit of inherent trust and make sure that you're doing the yeah. right uh, aspects to do good business. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I also, it's just a tough problem. Yeah, like, um, unless you put in the time and energy that the companies put in mm-hmm. to make sure everything's okay. Uh, you just have to trust that somebody did the the right thing. You know, it's it's like it's like bridges. You know, it's like you're trusting that there's somebody looking at the bridge, making sure there's not a bunch of cracks in it, yeah. and it's not going to collapse. It's you know up to standard, but like you're not going to do that. Um, you're just trusting that somebody's job, like somebody's getting paid to do it, uh, and then you use the bridge happily, you know, to drive to and from work. Um, but. Y- you know, this is true of like everything, you know, like the the medicine you take, like hopefully somebody got paid to make sure the medicine I'm taking is what I think it is. Um, you know, uh, you get this a lot with food, you know, like there's uh, there's like stamping and like packaging and certifications like, well, I hope someone's making sure that they didn't spray all this food with like glyphosate. Um, you know, it says it's organic. Um, but all kinds of stuff could happen. You know, real life is complicated. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you need to put a set of eyes on uh, a set of eyes on it. And well, make- on everything, on every aspect of your life, you know, you can you can do your best to shop organic, but you know, sometimes the best organic food is just going to your farmers, you know, yeah. and knowing what's in season. Totally, um, avoiding you know uh, certain types of food, you know, as like a habitual kind of like experience, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously, this is the same kind of concepts that we're talking about yeah. like you have these institutions you have a lot of good infrastructure that's built you know we're trusting that these are in some way the like rocket engineers are the people who are telling you this is the best way to hodl this is the best way to send your bitcoin <laughs> yeah so you know we're hoping that you know we're getting a trusted source but at the end of the day you want to you don't want to remain ignorant to all this it's not going to do you any good yeah and you know definitely being uh, even more mindful of the time right now. And I did have a question I wanted to ask you. Oh yeah. You know, it is, it is at some point uh, like a philosophical aspect to Bitcoin, you know, and everyone kind of has their own ethos to what it means to like, you know, be into this, you know, world to be immersed into it. And my question for you, you know, before we go is, like, why do you choose Bitcoin? Um, I, I choose Bitcoin really uh, out of an overwhelming sense of pragmatism. Um, I like being in control. And Bitcoin is the simplest way I can see of, of being in control of my life. And, um, you know, I, I think money is really important. Um, you know, money is what you use to get other people to do stuff for you when you can't do it yourself. Um, and it's what opens the door to other possibilities, let you live your life on your own terms and just being in control of your own money is just sort of like the, the best way to, to live in my opinion. 
Um, and Bitcoin is the tool, the best tool that I've I've recognized so far in, in you know all my years of research that gives me this the this optionality um, in a way that no other no other tool gives me. Um, you know, there's like gold or like paper cash, but that's not practical at all. Um, and you know, with Bitcoin, all I have to do is just, uh, run a very lightweight piece of software, uh, you know, relatively speaking, um, and just like check a couple hashes and I'm good to go. Uh, for me, it's, you know, very, I'm very comfortable doing that. Uh, it's very intuitive even. Um, I know not everybody's like this, but for me, that's just what it is. But even beyond that, um, you know, I also get a really profound sense of satisfaction knowing that I'm helping to uh, support this network that gives other people this ability, you know, uh, gives other people these options that, you know, I don't necessarily need it because I'm very grateful and, you know, have the ability to live in a country that, uh, you know, gives me all these options already. But, you know, millions of billions of other people all over the world don't get this, these options in the first place. Um, and so, you know, supporting a network that lets people do these things, um, you know, it's just a very gratifying way to spend my time. And that's sort of what gives me energy, uh, and is what, uh, you know, yeah, uh, makes me happy to, to get out of bed. So that's, that's really why I choose Bitcoin. Um, I know that there's other tools that somehow, you know, approximate that as well, but they're not nearly as effective. Um, they they usually have all kinds of glaring problems and we probably need a couple more episodes to like <laughs> go over all of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, like compared to like gold, real estate, uh, art, stocks, other cryptos, uh, cash, bonds, uh, Bitcoin to me just is the most effective and practical way to go about it. Um, and it's really not even close actually. And I'm just happy that I was able to figure this out on my own before everybody else did. Uh, it seems like lots of other people are still trying to figure this out. Um, but to me, that's what it means. That's what I've been doing. And, uh, so far it's, you know, let me, uh, meet all these amazing people, uh, and have lots of amazing experiences. And I'm just very happy and thankful that I, um, can think of lots of new great people that I'm going to be meeting in the future and yeah. lots of new great things that, that I'll be doing. So I'm looking at it with opt optimism. Uh, I don't think Bitcoin is going to go anywhere. Uh, and it's, it's, it's here to stay and it's, uh, how, how I want to spend my time. Well said, man. I, uh, <laughs> I love it. I love all the words. Um, I love the passion. You're definitely <laughs> a passionate person when it comes to this and definitely feel like it comes from, you know, as we had talked about your computer science background and just very, very fortunate to have you here today. Thank you. Um, I know we didn't get to speak about the Fediment project, which oh, I think yeah. will be great to have you back to discuss that more. Well, sure. um, you know, I look forward to watching you continue to develop your Rust uh, skills yeah. and your uh, enthusiasm <laughs> for pushing lightning down people's throats. <laughs> And most importantly, um, wishing you luck, you know, oh, on your you. 2023 endeavors and yeah. finding a software uh, engineer job in the thank future. You. Yeah, no, writing Rust, that's definitely, definitely on top of my list uh, of, of goals. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm zeroing in on it. So, you know, making progress every day.
Right. Uh, Matthias de Bernardini, really appreciative of having you on. Yeah. And thanks forward to talking to you again later. Yeah, likewise.